Hello, everybody, and welcome to Throllers. I'm joined, as always, with Chris Runnels. How you doing, Chris? Here again uh, on a Wednesday. So just lowered everyone into a false sense of security that Thursdays might be our jam, but mixing it up, and here we are on a Wednesday. <laughs> exactly. We're back. We're mid- midweek warriors. <laughs> yeah. So we are going with debate number two. Debate night 2.0. I've been very much looking forward to Debate Night 2.0 uh, ever since we turned the mic off on Debate Number 1. Yeah, 100%. Uh, this has been a long time coming, uh, trying to uh, you know choose the right topic. There's one there that screams out at you every week. You turn on the TV and look at the Pro Tour or open Twitter, yeah. but no one wants to debate that, <laughs> but we, uh, we, we found a topic. Exactly. We did find a topic. So if you're listening, you didn't listen to debate one, go check it out after because it's some of our best work, I think, the debates. Um, for sure, for sure. So what's our t- topic tonight? Yeah, it's a hard one to put into words. I was putting it up on Instagram last night and I'm like, am I wording this correctly? <laughs> I think but you got it. The, the way I read it is our debate topic is whether or not on the Australian tour, if there is room for multi-round one-day events. So basically what we're talking about is there room for a three-round, two-day event on the Oz Tour? Uh, RE, what was Jono's tournament? Uh, the SA Open this year. RA, RE, uh, EG, um, <laughs> SA Open this year. Yeah. Um, and you are taking the affirmative, correct? So you think there definitely is room for it. Oh, easy, easy, definitely, yes. And I'm full opposite. I just, I could, I can't stand them, and I'm, like, I'm gonna let you all know why. Beautiful. Now, just so the listeners are aware, you did take the chocolates as per uh, listener votes for debate night one. So you were very kind and let me have the pick of affirmative or the opposite of whatever <laughs> that is. Um, and because I don't know the word, I definitely chose affirmative. Nice. <laughs> good deal and uh last time i think we flipped a coin to see who goes first and it was uh affirmative so we're just gonna keep stick with that because we don't have coins anymore so um yeah from now on uh affirmative will kick us off so that means you chris what's our what's our format looking like we're not super formal but we got a little bit of a structure yeah for sure so we're going to state our pre-prepared cases um for a couple of minutes each, uh, and then we'll get to have a rebuttal. Do we then go on to a closing remark, or does the rebuttal kind of include is inclusive the closing remark, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. But I don't know. We're loose. If you've got more after that, then we'll go with it. All right, sweet. Cool. All right. Well, take us away, Chris. All right. Uh, good evening, listeners. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, I do imagine many of our passionate listeners. Uh, listening on a Wednesday night, keeping tomorrow night free for the Matildas and the uh, Aussies to smash the palms. So thanks for listening. And um, I'm really confident that you're going to like what I have to say here. There are several benefits of having three rounds, two-day tournaments in disc golf, particularly in Australia, but my arguments today will go universal. One of the first ones I want to point out is financial, okay? We're not all the Tim Bowens of the world with outrageously flexible work arrangements that allow us to take, you know, in some cases, back-to-back three- and four-day weekends, okay? Not only do many of the ADG members have jobs without leave entitlements, 
Some run their own businesses, and the thought of having a three-day weekend is ridiculous for some of these. Furthermore, obviously, we have many, many parents um, who choose to play disc golf in their spare time, and disappearing to South Australia for three or four days is just not really viable for many of our players. It's for that reason that it makes it more inclusive, okay? So having multiple rounds over two days allows these players to justify the travel to interstate and they still get to get their bang for buck, play multiple rounds and, uh, um, you know, compete against their peers. So inclusivity. It also helps with skill development. Participating in a tournament with multiple rounds allows players to improve their skills and get better with each round. They can analyze their performance after each round, identify areas for improvement, and make necessary adjustments and implement immediately. Not go home and sleep on it and get drunk, but implement it immediately for the next round. That also brings in strategy. With multiple rounds, players have the chance to strategically plan their game analyze their opponent's performance and adapt their strategies accordingly. For example, a player's in your division attacking a hole with success that you're currently playing for par. Do you adapt from round two that day and get better scores? But really, and I thought about running with this one point as my only argument, okay, it's all about the enjoyment and camaraderie, okay? Tournaments with multiple rounds often create a sense of camaraderie and community amongst players. Participants have more opportunities to socialize, interact, and bond with each other over the course of the tournament, fostering a sense of friendship and enjoyment for the sport. This is the number one reason. No matter the growth in this sport in Australia, we will always have room for this type of event. For example, in the UK, disc golf scene, it's a wash with multi-round, uh, three-round, two-day events. The t- tournament directors, the TDs, they're essentially pitted against each other to provide the best lunches and to create the best social atmosphere. And the annual awards at the end of every year is all about celebrating the TDs that are able to generate that atmosphere. You know I'm a stats man, Alan. Only 86 out of the current 778 players sign up as pro on PDGA, leaving 692 obviously signed up as amateur. One round a day events clearly cater to the minority of just the 11%. But to take that stat a little bit further, there are only, and I repeat, only 25 pro golfers that currently have a rating of over 950 in Australia. That is just over 3% of our current playing population. We do not need to cater to that 3%. Overall, hosting three rounds, two-day tournaments in disc golf provides a more inclusive, competitive, strategic, enjoyable experience for players, helping them to develop their skills and foster a stronger sense of community within the sport. And if this podcast serves no other purpose but to bolster sense of community and camaraderie, I will sleep well tonight. Thanks for listening. Oh, very nice, mate. Very nice. I do like that. Uh, making some uh, some notes from a few points that I just uh, we might have to have a little chat about after. But uh, other than that, uh, very well done. Very well articulated. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Hello, listeners. Please join me as I explain how Chris is wrong and there is no place for a three-round in two-day tournament in Australia anymore. 
the Australian scene has moved away from this format, and for very good reason. The first reason being that those events are simply inefficient. We've moved to tea times for multi-day events, so we can efficiently get as many people playing as possible. We've moved to single-day only events when two rounds are required to be played in a single day. This is to make the tournament more efficient because the second day with one round just doesn't offer the bang for your buck. Speaking of bang for your buck, reason (laughs) number two is that the format is not cost-effective. Daily fees like lunches, ADG fees, council fees, they're all doubled, but players don't get twice the rounds. So this leads to higher tournament prices just to sneak in one extra round? Now travel is a big issue with these types of tournaments. We're very spread out community and often people are traveling a long time to get to the tournaments. When you run these one and a half day monstrosities, you're forcing the disc golf community to either shell out for accommodation or shell out for double the amount of fuel that would be required for simply having it in one day. Three round in two day tournaments no longer have a place in our sport. They are a relic of a bygone era where having the space for the final nine used to be important. They are from a time when 65 players was a big turnout for an event and not just your average Melbourne Disc Golf Club social day. These are no longer considered premier events. They are just a waste of time. As a single dad of three children, it's hard enough for me to get out for a throw as it is. I cannot support a small event masquerading as a big event trying to take up my whole weekend. It simply has no place. There you go. That's it. That's all I got. Thanks. Thanks for listening. That's Alan. Well done. Well done. Interesting. Interesting. So, so conflicting, some conflicting, conflicting points within there. Yeah. I I wasn't trying to do a rebuttal, but (laughs) there's definitely some key um, phrases that popped up at both of us. All right. Um, my rebuttal, if I may. Yeah, please. Um, the timing of this debate night, I thought was, uh, pretty interesting given our last episode's podcast and as you so beautifully put, we have moved away from this recently in Australian disc golf. And I wonder, I have to wonder if that's a reason that um, disc communication has to come on board as a sponsor. The separation of divisions and the breakdown of the relationships within this community is so evident, particularly in Melbourne. And I think we have moved away too quickly and as i said earlier no matter the growth i think we always have room for this your bang for buck argument has just left me scratching my head i don't know if you've said that to confuse me but but trying to propose that somehow for a two-day event would cost more to run than a three or a four-day event boggles the mind councils are not going to be saying oh you're doing two laps pay us twice that's simply not happening happening so I refuse to accept that as a point. Um, finally, your last point or one of your later points about your three children. 
again, we, we, we have to agree to disagree. Um, just, you know, if I'm going away for a three-day event, I need to get there a day earlier. This three-day event becomes a four-day event. And if it's a big one, it becomes five. If I, you know, if I want to be a Bainey-esque and get a couple of rounds in early. And the doubles, there's always that informal doubles event that happens before these big ones as well. And before you know it, you're gone for a week. And I can't justify that to my beautiful wife and my beautiful son. So uh, some interesting arguments tonight, Alan. Um, we have to agree to disagree on a couple of them. All right, well, Chris, uh, it seems like you've missed the whole point of my argument there is that uh, these should be replaced by more two-round-in-one-day tournaments. These aren't premier events. There is no need to be taking up a whole weekend. If you're going to go ahead with a, a three-round tournament over two days, get that idea out of your mind and go to a two-round, one-day tournament, as basically everyone else is doing at the moment. That's where the financials come into play, doubling it, having two days instead of just the one. Just so you can squeeze in one extra round? I don't think so. Uh, and you mentioned implementing your strategies immediately, having that instant feedback and implementing it immediately and not going home and, and, and getting drunk. But that's exactly what will happen on that Saturday night. You play a couple of rounds, you think you got it, then you go home and then you switch, flip and flop in, you might have a few too many rums and then all of a sudden you trash that next day. It just, I just don't see, just don't see the point in uh, what you were trying to say there because there's, there's nothing you can really implement immediately that you couldn't have in a, a two round in, in one day tournament. And the, as you mentioned, yeah, the amateur field is by far the largest part of our disc golf community. But that to me just means that we need more of these two round in one day tournaments. They're the way forward. We can have the big event events over three days, one round a day, leave that for the pros, leave that for the people who, can get multiple leave passes from their wives, the Tim Boans of the world. And for the us <laughs> amateurs, we'll just do many, many two round in one day tournaments. And we can still have that social aspect and still have the barbecue lunch. Can go for a, uh, a little pub feed after the round for anyone who's keen. They're the way forward. And the, the three round in two days, they're done. Beautiful. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we'll uh, put this out via socials, get some feedback from our listeners. Um, I'll let them sit on it for a little while and uh, we'll see who comes out the victor. It's uh, pretty confident we're one all after tonight. Oh, I'm going to disagree there, but we'll see. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, for anyone who doesn't follow uh, Melbourne Throllers on Instagram, check us out because, yeah, that's where we'll, we'll vote. We'll have a little poll and uh, yeah, you can let us know yeah, what your thoughts are on it and uh, who you think is the better debater. Beautiful. Nice. All right. So should we get back to some normal scheduled programming? Yes. So all of our massive interstate listeners that have just uh, tuned in for uh, the debate and the wider order instead of here just for the debate. We might go. We might go a bit more eagle centric uh, throughout the rest of this podcast. But uh, keep your ears peeled. You never know who might get shouted yeah, out. Yeah, there's still plenty, uh, plenty of uh, Australia wide content here to come. Starting with the winter ambush that was played uh, in New South Wales 
over the weekend. Did you cast your eye over that? I did. I did. I uh, had a couple of hot tips do all right. So I, I, I was keeping a loose eye on that for sure. Well, what'd you like? Um, obviously, we expected a, a bit of a uh, showdown between Osset and Jade. Um, I think many people kind of had them pitted against each other. Chris Hills, someone that we, we'd expect to bounce back. Dan Frost has come out and um, pulled a couple of events together, but there's a nice, deliciously huge MPO size. Reese maybe wanted to go back to back and yeah, anyway, away the boys went. And um, yeah, kudos has to go to Austin for, let's say, getting a bit of a monkey off his back, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, for sure. I was having a look at it today. Uh, he was second place to Jade at uh, the Sizzler. He was second place to Bainey at the Vic Open. We all saw what happened to him in a very strong position at the Queensland Open uh, a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, so to come through with the wind here, his first for the year, uh, big. That's a big get over over a very strong field, as you mentioned. No longer the bridesmaid. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so now very nice by him, and yeah, Chris Hill with a bit of a bounce back. Uh, he was very disappointing for mine at the Queensland Open, and uh, I tipped him in our little comp because I thought he's he'll definitely snap back, and he he, he did enough. It was still a bit under is what I had for him, but. Uh, well done by him. Second place is, is never a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, what else did you see sure. that you liked? Um, so in uh, MA1, um, it got very, very tight, did it not? It did. Yeah, huge uh, final round for uh, Cameron Davies, getting him right back in it. Yeah, yeah. So made up three strokes, um, I believe, uh yeah, comfortably above his rating in the second round. Um, and uh, he must have lost in a playoff. Is that right? That's what it looks like to me. So they're on the same score, but uh, Jamie Nichols has won. So I'm assuming they went to a playoff and, and he got it done. No PDJ rating, and I've, I've not heard of Jamie Nichols. So he might be, might be newer to the scene, but uh, well done by him. Very good win. Uh, what about yourself? Anything jump out at the Winter Ambush? Uh, for sure. I was casting my eye down a little bit further, as I tend to do. I was checking out the MA2 division, and I saw uh, Alex Williams, who has just been destroying all of the other female disc golfers that she's been playing against. Uh, so she jumped into MA2, which is was great to see when, uh, when the girls do that. And... Yeah, she had a pretty decent event. She hot round first above her rating, second a little bit lower, so averaging about there, and yeah, sitting right in the middle of the pack for MA2. So well done on her for for making that that jump across for this event. And um, yeah, everyone keep an eye out on it. She's she's just been torching it. Um, what's the course they play for this event? Do you know? So from my understanding, it's like a. Um, what is it like a campground type thing? Um, okay, like yeah. a school camp type setup. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I think Je um, Jeff Wall was the TD, and he approached them about setting something up there. And yeah, it's cool. They, there's not a lot of top tier courses in New South Wales, and this looks like it played pretty difficult. So, uh, I yeah, I'd be very very keen to to get out to this tournament next year if they happen to run it. Yeah, I think, yeah, specifically Sydney 
itself struggles as well for a bit of a you know a disc off course option i've got a mate heading there in a couple of weeks and he's like where should i hit up and i was like not able to give him any advice yeah it's definitely tough the the only one that i'm really aware of that the consistently is a you know a, a more less than a pitch and putt course is the armory and that has yeah. sort of restricted hours and it's pretty wide open and so um yeah now nah, they'd be good to see hopefully they can get something going with this and make it a bit more permanent um or, or at least just make it a an annual thing yeah. but very yeah. good to see that they're branching out and trying some more stuff and it's fair to say not many eagles made the trip to that event Nah, not too many people from uh melbourne made the journey over i was having a bit of a look before and couldn't see too many names um timmy bellhands there as always but <laughs> Other than that, yeah. not too many names that uh, jumped out at me. Uh, speaking of Melbourneians, yes. uh, should we move across to our man Dazza? I think we should. Cause... All right. So we, we had softly mentioned this in a uh, couple episodes ago here and there that um, as the European events were unfolding, we also had Daz competing in his motherland. That's it. That's uh, Darren Stace Smith. The um, former Canadian turned Australian. Very Australian. It's <laughs> an, I imagine it confuses many. Maybe some listeners are like, what do you mean? He's the most Australian bloke I know. <laughs> um, which is obviously the biggest compliment anyone could be paid. Um, how did he go? Well, I didn't do too good. Uh, yeah, fair to say. I think you think he played about what his rating is now, but his rating's down on definitely what uh, what he could be. Uh, very, very exciting start because he obviously has a lot of respect in Canada because they had him on the feature card. He was in the last group to tee off on the first day with the likes of Carter Ahrens, the up-and-coming young star. Yep. But, um, yeah, first round was not too bad and we'll be able to see that on coverage soon, which would be pretty cool. And just really a couple of double bogeys. Did he win? Which he said are very easy to come by on that course, and I think uh, the next day on the same course it was it was a bit more of the same, just maybe uh, a couple more bogeys or a couple less birdies. But uh, what he finished fifty sixth out of a sixty five man field, so yeah, not quite yeah. what he was what he was after, but he didn't exactly have a lot of great preparation for it either. A couple casual rounds with his with his brothers. Uh, he's on a family holiday, so what did you think? He's done well. To, yeah, I think he's done well to squeak in an event. You know, that'll be something I'll be like definitely trying to swindle later in life is, uh, you know, any international trips, trying to squeeze in a little event here or there. He's done pretty well and a three-day event at that. So imagine that where it was pretty close to wherever they were crashing. Um, yeah, it wasn't quite the golf he was after. I know on that first course, he... He kind of baselined himself at getting like a negative two. Um, and obviously he went plus two and then maybe a, a plus four. So yeah. uh, definitely not what he was uh, chasing. Um, but, but yeah, pumped to see him on coverage with uh, Carter Aaron. So when that's, uh, when that's released, I'll obviously be smashing that out via our socials so we can all enjoy watching Daz go around. I'll be listening out for a sneaky Canadian accent. <laughs> see if it pops up. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, one thing that I hope to see him at 
is the eruption, which the registration oh. dropped on the weekend, on yeah. uh, the Friday night, and I might I I knew it was coming, but I might have been a couple of rums deep and uh, on my way to the footy. <laughs> and I got a few messages from some friends that were like, why don't I see your name yet? <laughs> so I had to quickly jump on because it blew up. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I'm staring at it now and there are 180 registered players. So I think that's, that's about... That's that's outrageous. <laughs> about 10 or so over the cap. So there's 10 people, I think, on the on the waiting list and yeah, 180 people signed up as of like from Friday. So that's massive. Pretty huge. I'm just, so op- I'm just opening up the nationals that are later in the year. Um, obviously we're split across two events and it will take me a second to bring up the am version, well, but in the, yeah. in the big dog version, there's 110. There's only 40 in the app. So yeah, as you said, the big dog version is looking pretty good. Couple people so, on the uh, MA1 waitlist as well, just waiting for them yep. to reshuffle cap division caps. Yep. But yeah, only forty people in the AMs at the moment, and we're Ooh. at this stage. I think everyone's able to register now. I think we've gotten to the. the... No, no, I don't think we're there. Oh, yet. Okay. That's Friday. Okay, so hopefully we'll see a bit yeah. of a jump then. Yeah, yeah. I think we're we're still at the eight fifty and above, um, at the moment. But only six people in MA two is yeah pretty interesting. But yeah, hopefully as that as that opens up, we'll we'll see a bit more. But yeah, it just sort of goes to highlight the the beauty that is the Gambia course that without hesitation it gets filled. Yeah, it's uh, but it's also the quality of event that you have to say as well. Um, Ryan, I'm presuming Ryan uh, or alike will be TDing. He's uh, he runs a solid event. Yeah, for um, sure. Michelle, you know, Michelle's the listed TD, but they, uh, yeah, they do a lot there together as the, um, the Gambia crew. Yeah, as it stands, they've got thirty more register registrants than the nationals. So huge, big, very big. Yeah. So should we cast our eye overseas again to another big tournament, the European Open? Well, yes, we should. So Bane spotting. Before we back on the yeah, before we get into that, oh, sorry, please, we've sponsor. got a yes. uh, we've got a sponsor yes. for this topic. Uh, I I had someone from the Department of Health actually reach out to me. Um, oh. Yeah, they they want me to talk about uh, choke warnings. So okay, so the Department of Health say that there are three common ways to choke: eating and drinking too quickly swallowing food before it has been sufficiently chewed and having a two-stroke lead with three holes to play. Symptoms may include shortness of breath, coughing, and carting a snowman. So if you find yourself choking, you should immediately try to clear the passageway, drink some water, and cuddle your caddy. So, um, yeah, thanks for that for the Department of Health. Just looking out for us. That is good. That is timely. We probably needed that a week ago. Well, I can think of someone who needed that needed that advice a week ago. Uh, well, I can tell you a couple of days ago who might who really needed it was uh, Anthony Barella. Wow, we oh wow, we indeed. Um, how do you describe what happened to him? 
Uh, it's a bit to digest, pardon the pun. It is a bit to digest. <laughs> I, so I didn't watch it live. I fully planned on doing it, and then I was just tired that night. I was like, oh, whatever. Uh, nothing seemed to be exciting. I just assumed Calvin would just win. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, I wake up in the, in the morning, I see all the, the choke comments, and so I had to go and, and replay the live coverage. Uh, I'd seen enough comments to know that whole 16 was where it really went down. So <laughs> I scrolled over to there and, oh man, it just, they look, they were all the exact same shot. Like, <laughs> just take a little bit off it, big dog. Imagine if it was stroke and distance. Oh. I haven't done the maths actually. <laughs> I could do it quickly, couldn't I? So days, it was his second throw, third throw, fourth throw, fifth throw, sixth throw. Yeah, it's six attempts to get seventh on the island. Made it. Yeah, six attempts yeah, yeah, to get yeah. on the island. So add five, he, he could have taken he could have taken a Matty Faz thirteen. Wow. If there was stroke and distance, it would have been the elusive thirteen. Big. Big. <laughs> uh yeah, craziness. So yeah, that essentially put him out of it. But how is the balls on Corey Ellis? So that happens, and all of a sudden, you're looking pretty. You're like, oh, cool. If I just don't stuff any of that up, I'll win this. And all three rounds, he laid up that um, hole. He would throw one out, throw one up, and lay it. Play for par. Play for par. And all of a sudden, he just goes, nah, you know what? I got it today. And did he have yeah. it? Oh, what a shot. Yeah, that was huge. That's clutch, isn't it? And, um, yeah, just to, you know, go in with a game plan that's to play for par, you know, but I have to imagine that some of these pros, when they're setting their game plans, you know, they have a Sunday mindset. That's cool. This is my, you know, my Friday, Saturday play, but, you know, come final round Sunday, if it needs to happen, I'm burning this hole. I definitely agree with you there, but, did it need to happen? Like, you've just seen the guy leading it get destroyed. Don't you just take your par and move on? And like, how is that the situation where you're like, oh, I better birdie this? Like, yeah, he ended up one stroke clear, I think, by that stage, wasn't he? Or maybe was it one stroke with the birdie? Yeah, he had mm. Kelvin. He had Kelvin sitting there. Um, it was, I think it that became not so much about, uh, and you also had Ezra on the card ahead. I think it became less about Barella, uh, and more about everyone else yeah. with two holes to play after that. Anything can happen on 17, like 17's a nightmare, um, to stay in bounds and birdie and then 18's crazy as well. Yeah. But speaking of that, how was his drive on 17? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Just clutch after clutch. So good. Yeah. And then he could play 18 as safe as houses, yeah. uh, which was nice to watch. Nah, for sure. So, yeah, well done to Corey Ellis. Monkey off the back, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Bane was there. We You mentioned a bit of Bane spotting. Where did where did Bane end up? So, um, cash paid down to 44th. Yep. Um, so, uh, a neg 13 gets you cash, um, which is... 20 strokes behind the leader. What was he? Neg, uh, neg 11? Neg 10? Uh, 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 mm, uh, mm, yeah, no. Let's uh, reverse that. Ooh. Plus, plus 10. Yeah, not so good. Uh, after a real hot start to his European campaign, these last couple have been rough. 
Yeah. Jets are cooling. Yeah, for sure. A 967 rated event. Oofed. Yeah, that's rough. He um he just doesn't the same thing happened last year. He does not like 16, 17, 18. They uh, or they don't like him. Yeah. Anyway, it, it, which so 16 I understand like I, I just I can't imagine ever making that island. But I know, uh, oh, I'm fairly certain anyway, he he does the layout play. So I'm surprised yes, that takes his chocolate as much as it does. But he did manage to get one back on that hole this year. Did you did you see that? I did see that. That was pretty cool. I um, I didn't see the actual footage, but uh, what did he do? He went for the layout play, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he uh, hides around the corner, lay up to the end of the fairway, shoot across... Uh, shoot across and in. Massive. That's so good. That's a cheeky way to get a birdie. Um, yeah, like it must have been a 60 or 70 meter throw in. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. And especially that hole, that hole that's that's played him a fair bit. To get one back like that, that's, that's going to be such a good feeling. Yeah, for sure. But 18 was his bogey this weekend. He had, uh, what, two doubles and a triple bogey in his three rounds? Yeah, I'm trying to do the maths here. Like, it's crazy how much that hole beats him up. Yeah. Although those three holes, that's three over, that's seven over, eight over, ten over, uh, 11 over. Yeah, so he's gone 11 over on those three holes with a birdie, and he's obviously plus 10 for the event. That's tough. Yeah. So, yeah, that those three holes have and, killed him. So, Bane is obviously far better than me. And his final round of 960, that's a great day out for me. That's, Alan has done well. Uh, so I, I'm trying not to criticize that man, but I don't know. I look at 18 and I just don't understand how the big numbers come in. Like, am, no. am I crazy? But we see a lot of the pros taking big numbers on that. But uh, are they just trying, trying too much crazy stuff that I wouldn't try? Like, why is 18 getting them? Um, t shots, t shots get get the sixes. I tend to think, um, if you throw your first shot in bounds, you're then throwing your fourth up. As long as you got like you, depending on where you crossed over bounds on your crossed out of bounds on your second, you've got a pretty easy up, and you should be taking a bogey. Those that take sixes or worse, I think what gets you on this hole is it's a bit scary to play the wide hyzer. So you try to go straight, but your highs are out early, yeah, okay. and now now you're miles away from the bucket, and 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 you're throwing three. Um, so I th- I have to imagine it's out of bounds on the tee shot. Yeah, now nah, that does make sense. Well, yeah. what a very well designed hole, cool finish. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Very cool last three finishing holes, dude. Just brutal. I would have loved to have seen Anthony Barrett. I know he was like in the bloody shadow realm by the time <laughs> he was playing hole eighteen. But I would have loved to have seen him go for the bucket. Yeah. On the team. Yeah. Just why not? Full YOLO mode. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And uh, how's with the, what's with the, I don't want to go too into this because I'm salty on this, but how's the Paul McBeth DNF? Mate. Mate. I have no idea. I, <laughs> when did he pull out? He pulled out like a whole 14 or something. Yeah. 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 He just said, nah, stuff it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And then all of a sudden he's on the bag. That's, I thought, yeah, to me, that's when you get the 888s, right? Not 999s, that's when you get penalized by the PDJ, when you pull out for 
ratings reasons or uh, maybe it's not. He's like, can he legitimately say, I just wanted to go watch my friend. I didn't give a shit. Is, is that uh, enough? I, I, well, I don't know. I, I might, if I'm looking at this correctly on U disc at the moment, that maybe they're thinking about it on U disc at the moment. They've just got him in as par plus four for the last four holes. Oh, okay. Well, they maybe didn't DNF. He just said, stuff it. Yeah. See you later. I'm going to talk oh, to wow. AB. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's new. It wasn't like that a couple of days ago when I last looked. That's probably not a bad way to do it because that will clearly be outside his standard deviation and not count towards his rating. So Yeah, for sure. Interesting. But he he was in a yeah, a world of pain before yeah that happened anyway. On the Paul scale. Um so anyway. Nah, fair enough. He got first hand uh front front row seats to the A V choke show. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Cheers for coming along, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, all right. So, should we finish with our uh, signature segment, Spotlight, Not Light? Yes, we should. Beautiful. So, uh, for if we might have some new interstate listeners, we normally finish the podcast with Spotlight, Not Light, where we put a spotlight on something that we've seen throughout the week that uh, we think deserves more shine, and a not light on something that we don't like, that we need to point out was, was poor. So uh, you want to lead us off with a spotlight, Chris? I do, I do. So uh, listeners will be uh, familiar with one of our world champions of Australia, uh, none other, Ryan Hart, uh, when he went over to Junior Worlds, uh, took down the under-18 doubles world championship. Um, Obviously, to win that, you need a teammate. His teammate was none other than Kieran Hampson. Kieran just happened to be playing the British Columbia Open with Dazza. And Kieran down MA1 with a cool 10.27 rated event, a mere 76 uh, rating points above his rating with a 10.32 rated round, a 10.49 rated round that included two massive eagles, and a 999 rated round. I'd be nice to see that bump up to a thousand. <laughs> um, but yeah, a 10, a 1027 event. Can you imagine that? No. Um, finishing minus 25, assuming that they played the same courses as the MPO, he would have come in fourth. Amazing. Uh, ahead of Carter Arhens and a few other thousand rated players. So my spotlight has to go to. Uh, Ryan's mate. No, very nice. I like that. I'll uh, I'll have to keep an eye on Ryan this weekend. I wonder if he'll he'll show up to the Melbourne celebrates with a little bit of uh, extra gusto, seeing that his his partner's out there killing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got a couple uh, honorary ones. It was a good week for it, I think. Um, one of the locals, Brett Brobridge, was out in Melton, and we love a good thrower here at Throwers. And he threw a terrible forehand off hole 10 that turned into a beautiful forehand roller that went straight to the pin. <laughs> Bounced into that little bunker, um, mulch bunker. Mulch. Yeah, yep. right into the pin. So nice there, Brett. Um, another little honorary run goes out to the sausage. I was watching his triples 
work with uh, Ezra and Brody and yes. gets the whole seven team which I'm, at uh, the European Open, which I'm pretty sure he's never played. And whack, throws it straight in. So very impressive ace by him. Huge. So nice one. But a much, much more impressive ace, I think, is getting my spotlight this week. So when we go back to the uh, the winter ambush and we cast our eye down to, I'm pretty sure, the MA3 division. Let me just get it back up. Uh, yeah, MA3. In oh, yes. fourth place, we've got uh, Jay Hercock. And he started his tournament the best way you can possibly start it. Hole one ace round one hole one ace just the absolute dream so uh yeah well done to jay on his all right in his division in jay's division there are 12 players how many birdies do you think they're on hole one oh, I'm, I'm gonna say zero one eagle zero <laughs> zero the ace and no birdies amazing huge that is sick well done jay so, no, very nice. All right, now the other end of the spectrum. Have you got a not light for us? Uh, I, I don't have any. I don't have any that I haven't already mentioned. But um, my uh, my not light goes to uh, Paul McBeth and his DNF. We're in a we're in a we're in a pretty financially stacked tipping competition. <laughs> uh, I should be I should be dead in the water, but I just can't help but think if Paul McBeth finishes out in his 35th or whatever he was in when he DNF'd. I just, I think I had a sniff coming down the stretch. And because of his soft performance, I don't have a sniff. Uh, Paul McBeth can be my uh, not light. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what I had as well. There's a, I've a couple little soft not lights that are probably not worth the, uh, the drive-by. But um, yeah, I was going after beth as well not for tipping reasons because it worked out very very well for me that he dnf'd uh but we just don't like uh we don't like the dnf's here at the brawlers so um not disappointed with paul so he gets a, Ella, a double not light are you well aware that there's there's a bit of there's a bit of beef between him and brody smith yes very much so uh brody puts out on twitter i don't have the tweet right in front of me but Brody very deliberately put straight out onto Twitter, um, you know, uh, straight home to ice the shoulder, definitely carrying some injuries at the moment, was able to push through despite the injuries uh, and finish my event, but uh, looking forward to some well-needed rest. Love that. And that's that's just nothing but a digger, Paul. Oh, 100%. That's so good. I love that by him. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, well done, Brody. He, uh, he, yeah. He gave him a spot, a not light as well. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that wraps us up. Thanks uh, again for listening, everybody. Um, yeah, make sure you check out the social so you can vote uh, for Alan on uh, <laughs> on the debate winner. That's that's what the people really want to see. Um, I think I'll be using some landslide gifts before too long. <laughs> um, and I look forward to see. It's got to be Melbourne Celebrates this weekend, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yep. All right, so big episode, big episode next week. Be a lot to talk about, no doubt. Yeah, Matt Hill almost got a uh, a not light, but I'll let it slide. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you, everybody. Peace out.